welcome back. We have a name for our podcast now, which is Beyond the Couch, presented by Bridges Mental Health. And picking that name in this way of talking about things that are, of course, therapy related, but also going a bit beyond that to share a little bit more of our own lives and what our, we've been thinking about, um, not only in our capacity as therapists, but um, as Asian identified women as well. Um, so the topic that we have in mind, which came up while we were recording our first episode is this theme of perfectionism that we feel and move through often, whether we're talking with our clients or just experiencing things ourselves. Um, and I think a lot of the perfectionism is coming up around this podcast and recording and what we're mindful of sharing and what it's going to sound like afterwards we'll jump into it, but maybe I should introduce myself first. I'm Christy. Thanks for <laughs> going right into it. I think that we actually were just talking about it before we started today about how uncomfortable it feels to just do something without having maybe an outcome in mind or a plan um, and want and this desire to present something well. Um, I think a lot of people that you know I work with can definitely relate to that and wanting to present well, right? And as therapists, I think, you know, there may be some sort of impression that our clients may have of us and doing something like a podcast puts um, more of a personal spin on ourselves, which can feel uncomfortable. Um, and then on top of that, just putting working on something new, a podcast, right? Like we're therapists, but we, we wanted to do this. And so we just decided, let's just start and see what happens. So here we are. And also let me introduce myself. I'm Diana, uh, a therapist uh, based in New York, uh, part of Bridges Mental Health and uh, welcome everybody who's found us today. I'm Sam, also a therapist and founder of Bridges Mental Health. Um, I agree with both. Christy and Diana, everything that they shared around some of our own perfectionism stuff that might be coming into the recording process. I know last time we chatted, we were going to ask whether or not any of us listened to the first episode. Did, did we all listen? Christy, I know you did because you edited it. Mm -hmm. 10 seconds left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got about like five minutes in and then just said, I got to take a little bit of a step back, but I will finish it. I'm committed to completing and listening to the whole episode. <laughs> well, it's kind of tough. It's it's strange to listen to a conversation that you've had over again and hearing like all the different parts of our filler words, like what our, our voice tends to sound like um, and how we like bounce between each other. Yeah, I feel like the biggest something that I talk about a lot with my clients around perfectionism is like discomfort around trying something new and the risk that that is and I in a way doing something like this is actually really helpful to remind myself how my clients feel when they're trying this stuff all the time of like not wanting to listen to it feeling a little bit embarrassed like the nervousness of taking the risk in all of it and I think that it can be actually a really helpful reminder for me as a therapist to be like oh yeah it is hard when you try something new and you put yourself out there in a vulnerable way especially in line with that perfectionism piece of like, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it well or how I'm going to feel if I do it. And it's not as good as I hoped that it just all gets stopped up in the prep 
phase or in like the thinking about a change or thinking about starting something new and that it's hard to actually push past and just go for it. Yeah. And you know what? Now that we're in the process of it, I'm curious to find out how you guys are feeling. Because <laughs> I think this is also a good reflection. Like this is live. I mean, live as in we're doing it right now. We're moving past this tension of not wanting to put ourselves out there to have a perfect product. But here we are, we're, we're recording it. And so like, okay, so what's the next step after you get over that hump, that discomfort, what's the actual feeling? Yeah, I mean, I'm noticing now, and again, this is something that I feel like comes up in therapy a lot, like a struggle to be totally in the moment, just experiencing the fact that we're doing this new thing. I'm thinking about my filler words, whether or not I'm using them. I'm thinking <laughs> a little bit about like, what am I going to say next and, and how it really can kind of pull you out. But it's such a defense mechanism because I'm so concerned about presenting or how it's going to show to the people who may or may not listen to this when we're done. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm noticing I'm trying to keep eye contact like with you all over the screen um, because I think that I could easily get lost in my own thought of like looking at myself or looking away and then just trailing off. And I'm trying to trying to bring myself back. But it is it is like tempting to kind of zone out a little bit because it's so like so conscious knowing that we're recording, knowing how I'm going to like hear myself later and um, imagining how people could perceive this too. Yeah. I think I'm definitely going back and forth, like listening to you guys speak, it's like nice to listen to someone else. It's, but, and then I forget that I'm also part of this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think at other times I'm aware that we can edit it and we can kind of make something make sense towards the end too. So it's kind of this like hoping that we record well or that I can like express myself the way I hope but then also there's some bit of catch or some kind of filter that it'll go through but I think that can be a tricky part of it too is like in the editing process of a, of a podcast episode of like not trying to make everything sound so manicured or streamlined of like still allowing for our natural tones and voices to come through rather than feeling like we have to be recording like it's all written out or scripted for us too. Yeah, that's such a good point, Christy. There's a whole nother layer of the process. It sounds like that you're kind of invested in because you're the one that listens and edits and decides which ums get cut and which ones don't <laughs> around. Yeah, not just like the stuckness you can feel in the prep phase, but I guess how you can feel stuck after. And, and to all of our listeners, and in case it's not abundantly clear, I think we all, all three of us identify in some capacity as perfectionists, like many, many therapists do. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I wonder what this would be like if we didn't edit it at all. That would be a real challenge. Oh, <laughs> that would be a real challenge do... to perfectionism. <laughs> oh my gosh. What if like one year anniversary, we do perfectionism revisit and we can't edit the mm. whole episode. That would be so tough. <laughs> yeah. What would that lead to? Would that lead to like just the desire to be even more perfectionistic knowing that there's no editing um, sort of net safety net? Yeah, I'd be curious of how comfortable we get on this platform and recording a, recording um, over the course of a year. 
right? Maybe over the next several months, we're just kind of like getting in the groove of it and whatever we put out there, just, I think that that's a huge part of perfectionism too, or working against that or being in sort of recovery from perfectionism is so much of it is struggling to accept that we are the way that we are, or that we said something or we did something and that all of that is information or reflection about who we are. And a lot of us, or at least what I can struggle with is wanting only certain parts of who I am to be seen by others. And as if the other parts aren't also part of me. Um, But in the acceptance that whatever I'll say, people might have opinions and thoughts and disagree or think that I sound a certain way. And that's also just the practice of accepting that. And that most of those opinions, I won't actually ever be privy to. I think what's helpful is that we spend this time every other week together anyway. So what's, what's helpful is this, this practice of gathering and meeting and talking. And we often talk about topics like this in our meetings that are not recorded, right? And so I think that's definitely um, helpful in getting over that discomfort. But I think, like you said, once we start to do this on a more regular basis, it almost becomes just like, you know, exercise, right? Where you practice and you do something repeatedly and it feels uncomfortable at first, but, you know, it gets a little bit easier each time to get over that hump of discomfort and, you know, whatever the thoughts are that we have about people and what they might be thinking of us just dissipate a little faster each time, hopefully, right? Yeah, Diana, I like that you bring in that piece of context that in some ways we've already been doing this for two years now where we meet every week and we talk about you know administrative stuff with bridges but we're also talking about things that are kind of coming up with us or things that we're noticing in our work and it reminds me of a mentor of mine shared this piece of information around procrastination and how oftentimes procrastinators are kind of internally really struggle with feelings of perfectionism. And it relates to this feeling of like, if I don't even try, I'm never gonna not do it right. So the ways in which that can kind of lead to delay or avoidance, and it's not actually that the person just doesn't wanna do it. It's that the person is so afraid of doing it and doing it wrong or making a mistake. And you know, all three of us have been talking about for over two years now in some capacity doing something like this, like a podcast or a video series. And we all were kind of really procrastinating and are kind of dragging our feet on it. And it took us kind of meeting and just committing to doing something one time to finally feel like, okay, maybe we can do this or it's not as scary or unfamiliar or difficult as we might've been afraid of. Yeah, but it's not as scary once we're in it. At some point we have to like commit and keep doing it um, rather than letting all of like the thoughts and the fears kind of keep us us back. I will say that having you two has really helped because I think we've talked about this before, but just that even this idea of bridges, it just, you know, it's, it seems like another project to add on to being a therapist and it, that it in and of itself felt like a very large task to undertake. Um, but when there's, you know, someone else, two other people who are all, all going through the same thing and we're all sort of wanting the same thing and, you know, bumping up against the same challenges, it somehow just like makes it easier to take that first step if one of us says something, right? And I think even with this podcast, Christy, the fact that you were 
you know, so open to taking on the technical aspect of it just made it seem like, oh, this is doable. Someone, someone has the capacity amongst the three of us to do that part of things. So maybe we can actually make this happen. And I think a lot of times that's how I am. It's like, if I know there's this like, okay, it's possible. I just, I just need to lean into that more often maybe, but um, just when someone else feels it and I, you know, then I'm on the ride too. I'm like, okay, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Like a comfort or a safety in numbers a bit or having the like relationships mm-hmm. or like accountability too. Yeah. When it's three of us instead of just one. Or the feeling that also, Hey, we can figure it out together. Right. Like, okay. I'm, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Maybe we all don't know what we're doing, but we're still going to do it anyway. I was going to mention this this piece of like community support and what that can really do. You know, it's interesting because now we're kind of talking a little bit about like the origin story of bridges, but it's something that I feel like is a unique problem that we've all experienced in some way, you know, wanting to find a therapist or find your ideal clients who you feel like you're enabled or have the identities in which you would be helpful to put together and feeling like there was no avenue to really find those people. And, you know, I've had my own experiences with therapists that have been really invalidating around my identity. And that's such a huge problem. And it can feel so daunting and overwhelming the idea of like doing it by yourself that I really do think having a little bit of community support and like Diana, you were saying us three together, the sense of, okay, this is a big problem and there's going to be stuff that comes up around it that's hard, but we'll figure it out together. Like it's not just me and alone. And I know Diana, Christine and I were so impressed at the progress that you had made on your own when you had kind of been working on this individually. And we were just like, we don't know if we would have gotten nearly as much work done as Diana did when it was just us two, or if it wasn't us two working together. Yeah, there's something about having other people with you to sort of just like decrease the anxiety just a bit, the anxiety of failing, the the worry of failing, of being disappointed in your effort whatever it is that, you know, we are all struggling with, with when we first started this, but just feeling like, oh, wait, this is figure outable, right? If we, the three of us together can figure this out. It's a huge thing for, for one person maybe, but, you know, you can tackle this, I can tackle this. And then I have someone else to bounce my ideas off of too. And I think that's been really the key for us. I think an important piece of that too is like, what's figure outable that you don't have to have all of it figure it out too at once that we'll figure Mm -hmm. it out on the way but there's also what's good enough to get us through to the next part of it like especially at the beginning of a of a project or when people are struggling to get started on something that feels so daunting um but just the idea of like being good enough to get you started and this comes from like the concept of good enough parenting or mothering Um, but it's so helpful in perfectionism and self-esteem work that I see all the time um, with clients who are struggling to be good or perfect at something when good enough could be sufficient or when it actually doesn't matter to put in a hundred percent or like all of yourself into something where if you're hoping for the outcome to be getting a certain reaction from other people or from an audience that you actually have very little control over. But if it's more aligned with like good enough would mean if I just get this 
episode out each week and we're meeting regularly, like that can be sufficient too, in order to build up to progress or build up to something that feels like of a higher quality or what you're hoping for it to be over time. Yeah. I mean, everything we've put out, like our website, our Instagram, I don't think all of us have thought like it was our best you know, <laughs> effort, but it's our good enough. Hey, let's get something out there. Let's just do it. And then we can revise and, and you know, adapt if we want to. Um, but if we hadn't done that, we would have had nothing, you know, two years later, it would have just been an idea that lived in our heads to this day. Yeah. And I feel like that's the hump, like kind of what we were talking about earlier, that sense of if I I'm kind of operating under this assumption or this belief that if it's not amazing or if if it doesn't get the reaction that I want, how much that keeps you stuck and just not doing anything, you know, maybe two years later without having done any work on any of the stuff that's really meaningful to us versus taking the risk, making a mistake, sometimes looking stupid, publishing a blog that has typos in it, which I've definitely done before (laughs) and trusting that you're going to figure it out or that you can fix it. Or even the way that you treat yourself in those moments when you do make a mistake or mess up, like how able or willing are you to lend yourself a little bit of compassion and understanding that you're just a human and everybody fucks up sometimes. And I think this is so important to like point out the fact that we are now two years from when we were having that idea and struggling with it, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's so many people that I work with who try to envision like what it's going to be like in a year or six months. And they just think, Let's, I don't know, I don't think I can do it. And it's like, okay, how could you shift that for you to be in the future looking back and see like how much happier you will be knowing that you tried something versus if you don't take any action today and just stay in this feeling of stuckness of like, ah, it seems like a huge, huge risk. It really does. Right. But then, you know, a year will pass anyway, time is passing no matter what you're doing or not doing. Right. I think it's such a hard feeling to envision for yourself in the future. Um, So we're here to say it is worth it (laughs) to be good enough just so we can try something, do something. Right. Yeah, I think it's worth it. And also, and we were kind of speaking about this at the beginning, it's also uncomfortable and hard and scary. And I think you can acknowledge both things and not have one trump the other. Like it might be worth it, or maybe it really will. And it'll be amazing. Maybe it'll be really uncomfortable in the long run. And it's sort of this mix and it doesn't have to be like hundred percent one or the other to decide to do or not do something. Yeah, and I think that like the more you do and push past or like acknowledge fear but still do the thing that you want to do you're just teaching your brain your body that like this experience is you're just going to push past it and that you can survive it because I think when we stay in that stuckness it's intensifying that narrative that we there is something to be afraid of and we shouldn't do it right but when we actually like sit with that and learn that we can cope or like sustain ourselves through that hump of of uh, difficulty or of embarrassment or whatever it is, then our body gets used to it. And it's actually not as powerful over us. That is more of like a feeling we can move in and out of rather than something that like keeps our walls up too. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I think that's such an important piece, the way that having experience in something or not, you know, I see perfectionism a lot in people who 
uh, honestly have not had a lot of experiences where they failed, whether it's because they were always afraid to try a new thing or they had these kind of controlling parents or adults in their life who never allowed them to fail. You never get the experience of, of recognizing that we're, we're oftentimes so much more resilient than we think we are, that you can sit through the discomfort or the part of you that's afraid or the part of you that's scared and come out of the other side and steady stay in this place of feeling paralyzed by your fear forever. We've made it through our discomfort, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So we finished another episode and good enough. We're putting it out into the world. (laughs) So if you heard anything that we talked about today that resonated with you or that you'd want to hear more about, feel free to send us a direct message um, on our Instagram at Bridges Mental Health, or you can send us an email at BridgesMentalHealthNYC at gmail.com. Well, thanks for joining. Bye.